Welcome to uh, uh, the continuation of our of our. Uh, I'm David Bax, by the way. I'm Tyler Smith. How's it going? I'm no good at the, doing these intros. Um, I second that. <laughs> you are not supposed to yeah, talk who, until who we say your name. Who the hell is that? Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, in our in our continuing series, uh, where where we invite our past past guests back to uh, discuss their favorite films or or just movie recommendations, uh, we've got Pilar Alessandro here. <coughs> Hello. Um, and uh, she, she of course, was on episode, what was the number, 57? 57. 57. Uh, she does the On the Page podcast, which is very helpful for uh, for screenwriters and, and is, is essentially the overlord of the On the Page empire. <laughs> right? I guess that would, yeah. yeah because there's Especially because my empire is only made up of me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's easy to run, run your empire, <laughs> yeah, I think. But then there's you got the DVD, you got the classes, you mm-hmm. got the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard I've heard talk of a book that might be coming. The someday. book is on its way, it, uh, but oh, definitely DVD and classes are what you guys should lift, look into. Um, those right. are the things I'm proud of right on now. On the page TV. On the page TV. Right. Is that is that where you, one would uh, get the DVD? That is uh, the the <coughs> the website's being revamped. It's a little bit cluttered right now. Uh, but actually where you get the DVD is uh, on Amazon or at thewriterstore.com or just email me directly at inquire at onthepage.tv. Okay. Now, how much is this going for? It's a twenty nine ninety five. That's it is, way overpriced. It is a, a steal, my friend. <laughs> no, I'm, jo- I'm joking, of course, everybody. It's, uh, it's very someone informative. Someone who has watched it, yeah. Tyler. Yeah. I have watched it. Yeah, he it, watched it. You got it for free, Tyler. You haven't even watched it. What's yeah. up with that? I uh, got stuff to do. <laughs> well worth the twenty nine ninety five. <laughs> That's what I've heard, <laughs> yes. So. Yeah, it's a, it takes you from the brainstorming stage into the outlining stage, into scene work and pages, in one DVD, but you know you can really can stop it. You can do the exercise. You can move on. It's simple language, but it's not. I I've heard from people who like it. It's not a repeat of the same old, same old. And that's that makes me happy when yeah. I hear that. All right. Well, I'm sorry. I was jo- I was joking yeah, about no the joking. overpriced thing. Just making sure everybody knows. <laughs> I know. Look, right. I happen to be <laughs> somebody who constantly underprices herself, so I didn't take that seriously at all. Okay, good. I good. know. I'm a, right. I'm a cheap girl, and that's why people love me. So it's okay. <laughs> it sounded a little um, inappropriate. Yeah, whatever. But, uh, but that's all right. But yeah. we're not here to talk about you. Oh, we're not? We're here to talk about your favorite movies. Yeah. We okay, are we are to here talk. to talk about you, actually, now that I think of it. <laughs> so, uh, so you like movies. I, I do like the movies. That's good. I like them a lot. That's good. I think when I was on your podcast last, we talked about the fact that I was raised on inappropriate movies for my age group, right? Did, did we talk about that? What did we talk about? No, that, that, that's we talked how... about writing. Ah, well, yeah. the the, ra- the way that I got into uh, loving film so much was that my dad would take me to all these films hmm. when I was like six or seven or eight that yeah. he should not have been taking me to, but he wanted to go, so he would take me. Isn't that what dads do pretty I much for the most so. part? I guess so, yeah. And so I would see, but at the time, you know, it's the 70s. <coughs> <coughs> right, thanks for coughing. And um, No, but that's good because I would have coughed. Mm. Um, so I was seeing like uh, Kubrick and Woody Allen hmm. and Mel Brooks and, you know, and the stuff's sort of sunk in and I know that one of my favorite movies uh when I was a kid that stayed one of my favorite movies is uh Paper Moon 
Oh, yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, I can still see that. And, of course, I loved it at the time because, you know, it was about a seven-year-old right. girl who conned people. Right. But, you know, I, I love it now for a variety of other reasons. It's just such a great movie. Yeah, it is one of those where, now I saw it as an adult, but, I mean, there are some movies that I loved as a kid, and then the, the older I get, I lo- like I love them more as an adult because, like, like I love them so much now that I'm like, how did I ever like these when I was a kid? Mm-hmm. You know, um, David and I just saw a movie called Los Angeles Plays Itself, and the movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit is featured prominently in it. And I loved it when I was a kid, and like watching some of the scenes from it again, I'm like, why did I like this scene? It makes no sense to me as a kid. <laughs> I like it now, but like this whole spiel he goes on about the freeway and billboards and fast food restaurants, it's like, I didn't get any of that when I was a kid. I just uh-huh. thought Judge Doom was evil, and that's all I got. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Did you have like all those uh, sort of mixed feelings about Jessica Rabbit? Was that you know? I was a little too young for that. Because yeah. I've heard uh, you know a lot of uh, you know men went from being boys to being men in that movie. You know <laughs> that it was all about Jessica Rabbit, and they were thoroughly confused. I think so. maybe Madonna and Dick Tracy is what flipped oh, me. You know, yeah, huh. yeah, yeah. So I don't know. You have to come back to me for my example. Okay. I, All right. I, we'll I gotta, I gotta we'll get to that. But, uh, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> the boys to man movie. Yeah. yeah Roger Rabbit, <laughs> cartoon character, and I'm six. That's a little too. Uh, but uh, but yeah. Okay. So Paper Moon. Great yeah. choice. Uh, have we talked about it before? Well, we talked about it extensively when we did our Madeline Kahn episode. That's right. Oh, yes. Yes. She was great. Yeah. She was. Um, so what else you got? What a, You know, I mean, you and I. Here's the thing. Here's what I'm going to. I'm going to go ahead and just. Just spell it out. <laughs> because what would you say your you and I were talking about this. What is your favorite movie of all time? It's so funny. We actually found out that we really connected on this, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Oh, it's just such a cliche writing teacher thing to say, but it is Citizen King. That's right. Yes. Which is very exciting. You know, you don't run across in everyday life, you don't run across a fellow Citizen Kane l- lover. Well, lover, yes. There's plenty of people who love it, but very few people would say it's their favorite movie. I feel like even if maybe it was, because it is so cliche to say, they'd be like, well, I don't want to be cliche. I myself have felt that sometimes. Like, there are times where I'm like, well, maybe I can convince myself I love Jaws or 12 Angry Men more. And then I see it again, I'm like, nope. No, because it's one of those movies that's so rich, mm-hmm. so layered, so great with story. That's yeah. why I like it. It's because you get to see um, one story told from all these points of view. And yeah. I just find that so exciting. And it feels sophisticated and very contemporary. Mm-hmm. It, it's not one of those movies where you go back and go, yeah, it was great for its time. Yeah, It really is just great. You know, that insight into every character what I think I I was talking about I don't know when I was talking about it, but it's <laughs> that idea that that every character it's it's something we talk about in screenwriting every character thinks the movie's th- about them right well in Citizen Kane you get to see what their movie was right and it's it's uh, the time jumping is really really well done you know we go mm-hmm. from this age to that and yet you completely follow it yeah I'm, uh, yeah yeah there's never any it. confusion and. And what's more is the flashback itself will take on like they they have the appropriate person telling the story for each flashback because mm-hmm. for example the character of Bernstein who's kind of a kind of a goofy kind of a almost a comic relief type he's still a little you know he's a little sad in his old age and he's got that great speech about the girl on the ferry but like 
he tells this the part of the story that is a little more fun and mm-hmm. a little more it's like oh it's exciting we just got this paper you know um so he gets that part and then of course the tragic elements come from you know the guy who stopped being Kane's friend after a while you know and from his ex-wife and then of course the distant part because we can't really relate to Kane as a kid mm-hmm. that much and of course that comes from you know the guy who barely knew him who really knew him as just this adopted kid you know yeah. and it really you know and I, I was excited to hear that it was your favorite you know especially from a from a writer a writerly standpoint because the only Oscar it won was screenplay and um you know, I, I tend to view things from character and acting standpoint, and I. But a lot of other people I know, you know, David uh, is really likes you know visuals and the way something is cut together. Um, and and Citizen Kane delivers on that front absolutely as well, very well. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a landmark film in cinematography with right. the, with the deep focus and and all the 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 very progressive things that Greg Toland was doing with his camera. Right. It's beautifully shot, mm-hmm. and it, it's hard to believe it didn't win Best Picture. What did win Best Picture that year, do you know? How Green Was My Valley, oh. which is a John Ford film. I haven't seen it, okay. but uh, it doesn't necessarily, I mean, it, it, it doesn't, doesn't mean matter. Anything. It's, Even it's if that movie hadn't come out, they would have just gone, given it something, given Best Picture to something else, because... The, the Oscars really, I think, tell you what more what was going on in the world <coughs> at that time yeah. more than they really do talk about, you know, what was the best movie. Yeah. And so How Green Was My Valley is probably the right movie for that time. Yeah, well, and especially at that time, uh, everybody hated Citizen Kane, so <laughs> um, it won all the Critics Awards, and then, of course, they gave, they gave uh, Best Screenplay, which was more a function of Mankiewicz than uh, Orson Welles, so or at least that's what they thought. Um, okay, well, but that's that's now. Are there other like? I guess here's like you kind of kind of brought it up a little bit, like, and and a question that we asked Graham Elwood when he was on the show talking about this, like, what are the movies that made you decide? And it sounds like you start watching really great movies at an early age, mm-hmm. so this might be a long list for you. But like, what are some movies that you you watch and you're like? You know what? That's the movie. Th- those are the movies that made me want to do what I am doing. Hmm. Hmm. Well, it, it's kind of. Uh, I I think like so many people, I fall in love with a, a different movie every year. Mm-hmm. Like that's the one. Like the movie that I was just talking about in in my pack podcast, which was Frozen River. Mm-hmm. Like that's the one I can't stop talking about yeah. right now. You know, I love that movie. Yeah. Um. Uh, God, movies that absolutely <coughs> made me. Love what I do. Oh, Lord. I'm sorry. Oh, I know. I know. No, well, you know, I have to I have to fess up about something. And right. you're gonna be really surprised All by right. this. Okay. So when I was a reader over at Amblin and DreamWorks, right? Yeah. So I was I was reading for the studios and I at one point when I started reading for them, I had a little tiny TV. I did not have cable. And I only saw art house movies. Okay. I was one of those. Okay? Right. Believe it or not. <laughs> and I started dating my husband. Okay? Mm-hmm. So now we're talking 13 years ago. I started dating my husband, Pat, who is Mr. Pop Culture, big studio <laughs> movie. I love Batman. Uh-huh. You know, he's just a big geek kind of guy. But I'm reading for for Amblin. I'm reading for Steven Spielberg at the time. Uh-huh. And he mentioned Die Hard. And I was like, oh, poo, poo, Die Hard, blah, blah, blah. And hmm. he was like, have you ever seen Die Hard? And I was like, no. Ah. I was working for one of the most commercial directors on the planet, and yeah. I hadn't even seen Die Hard. Hmm. 
He sat me down and he made me watch all the diehards in a row. Okay? And then after that, we started seeing all these big studio movies. And I got, first of all, I became much better at my job. Yeah. <laughs> much, much better. And I got an appreciation for that side of things too. Yeah. You know, before it was only about the between the lines. And then suddenly it became about the lines, about, you know, how action could move pic picture as well. So um, there was this, this point in my life where I just started to indulge in studio movies hmm. as well. Um, I guess uh, one movie I mentioned on the last podcast I was on with you was The Sixth Sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That year was a really good year for movies. Yes, it was. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I maintain it was the best year for it movies, was but that's great, me. What else was on that year? Being John Malkovich. Being John Malkovich. Uh, Three Kings, American Beauty. The Insider. The Insider. It, the Straight uh, Story. Mr. Ripley. That whole Matrix. year, I had just started teaching screenwriting, and that whole year made me really appreciate what I was I was teaching. So like like that year of, of learning studio movies, that year, the Sixth Sense year, where people were really trying to tell interesting stories. I think Fight Club was that year, too. Yes, it was. Um, of, of trying to sort of keep secrets in movies or just blurt them out and see what happens, like with being John Malkovich. You know, mm -hmm. there's a portal in, in from John Malkovich's head, and we're just going to go with that premise. Yeah. That year definitely turned me around, for, for sure. Yeah, we do... Uh, I do someday because I've been saying it for a long time that like that year, I think is it may not be the most, you know, like there are years in film where you're like, oh, man, how did these movies get made this year? Uh, and it changed the way film was made. And 99 is kind of like that. But I think it's the best movie year simply because there's a solid 25 to 30 I would say great films. And so like someday I want to actually discuss that year because, and I don't know why it was, why it just happened to happen to occur that so many great movies by great directors came out in 99. Well, that, let's talk about it now. Cause that really, that's, oh, okay. you asked me about my favorite movies. It was that year. Yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. go see somebody, something and go, wow, that was great. That was great too. Yeah. Which I think is so rare where you're just one after another, just loving what you see. Yeah. yeah. Well, th and that happened. I mean, I was, that uh, in 99 I was 16 and then 17 years yeah. old. So it was such... I don't know that I'd be the film fan <coughs> I am today if that year didn't coincide with me like getting a car and getting to go oh, yeah, to movies yeah. all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I didn't have to rely on my friends. I could go see Three Kings alone, which my friends said looked stupid. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and I could just... Oh, I'll just go see it then. I don't have to, I don't have to wait on anybody. So that, that freedom... Uh, to choose the movies I wanted to see happening at the same time as that year is one of the major reasons that I'm a film fan, the film fan that I am today. And you got to ditch your stupid friends, too, right? Like, yeah. Forget about you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Get some smarter friends. But Three Kings was, uh, you know, that movie shouldn't have worked, right? From what you know about the backstory with it, yeah. with what it went through script-wise and director-wise, and what George Clooney, like, punched David O. Russell or something yeah. like I'm that, sure he had right? it coming, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it works so well. And even... The premise of it is just so ex extreme against this this backdrop uh -huh. of of war a war that nobody understands. You yeah. know, here's this treasure hunting script, but it it, it worked so well. Yeah, and it's <laughs> and like David O. Russell, it's almost like he's like, all right, this movie's already a little odd. 
but I'm going to make it even more unwatchable by, by like bleaching it. So it's even more bright and painful to watch yeah. to physically watch. And, uh, now I, I of course love three Kings, but just, it was just, it was such a year of like unconventional movies. I mean, you know, David and I love talented Mr. Ripley. Oh God. And that's, that's a one. great movie too. That yeah. was that year as well. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. That was so good. <coughs> yeah. So good. You know, and that's one where the main character, it's like, I don't want this person to achieve his goal. I don't even really know what it is, but I know I don't want him to get it, you know? And yeah. And he's our, our main character is, uh, uh, like a homosexual homicidal maniac. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, that's not going to go down the, the throats of, of most Americans that easily. Yeah. And you know, and, and of course that was the year of, you know, as you said, six Sense and American beauty and the insider, but it was also the Matrix and uh, I love the Limey. If you saw that, oh yeah, that was great. But yeah. it's just like it was a it was an interesting year because you got established directors like you know Martin Scorsese made Bringing Out the Dead. Um, oddly enough, I can't remember any. Oh, you got Anthony Minghella making Talented Mr. Ripley. And Sweet and Lowdown was that? Sweet and Lowdown was that year. Woody Allen making making something. David Lynch making The Straight Story. Yeah. But then you also saw the emergence of new directors. I mean. Paul Thomas Anderson was already had already kind of established himself with Boogie Nights, but then like he established himself as not a fluke. He's he's still gonna he's out there and he's gonna make what he's gonna make, and he really established that with Magnolia and then Sam Mendes and you know and mm-hmm. it's just and Spike, but even like Spike people Jones. like uh, yeah Spike, even like people like 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 Steven Soderbergh with the Limey and David right. Russell w- were sort of graduating. Uh, I mean uh, that's kind of a silly way to say it, but like coming from the indie. Film world, you know, because Soderbergh would the next year go on to make Aaron Brockovich and Traffic and and Traffic, yeah, you know, and then and then uh, I guess David O. Russell he makes studio movies now, but I mean they're still pretty David O. Russell-y. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What was his next one after that? Was it I Heart Huckabee's the next yeah, one? Well, I don't think there was anything in between there. Yeah, and I mean, was is that a studio movie? Yeah, it's, it's got a big cast. Yeah, but and I, I how, do you, like, how do you feel? This this episode's about you. How do you feel yeah, about yeah. I Heart Huckabee's? Oh my God, I don't know if I made it through. I think I rented it. And I don't know if I made it through it. I was a little frustrated, if I remember right. Which I think is probably the point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I liked it. I know I'm one I of the few it. people. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm one of the few people that that did. And but what I what I'll say is, this is weird to say, but like when I watched it, because I went in just being like, uh, I'll watch it for like you know half hour, and then I'll go and do something else. That's sometimes that's how I used to watch movies on video. Um, but I, it kept me glued to the TV, oddly enough. And by the end of it, I was, this is how I phrased it at the time, I was happy to be alive. <laughs> because it was just, it was so intellectually stimulating to me, you know. And so, and it got me so emotionally involved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it would get me frustrated. It got me happy. It made me laugh, you know. And, uh, and it was just, you know, David O. Russell, asshole though he may apparently be, it turns out, if not, you know, some people would say it's not, good but he always turns out fascinating intriguing movies i think um and i'm interested to see what he, what he does next D- difficult but. personalities have good stories to tell right <coughs> yeah. you know they have they have a point of view that's very clear yeah um you know they don't look at everything through rose-colored glasses yeah um yeah i mean we're always hearing sort of you know, distasteful stories about people who are geniuses. Yeah, anybody who's a fan of Orson Welles has to uh, right. check their, you know, it, beliefs about personality at the door. Right, you know, who wants a pleasant director, right? Or That's a pleasant true. pleasant writer. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> but 1999. I'm going to teach a whole class on 1999 now. All right. Because I just those are such good movies, and and everyone that you were mentioning, completely different genre. Oh yeah. As well. Oh yeah. You know, and then, but you, that's the thing is like, and I'm always thinking of more because like Office Space was that year and Galaxy Quest and like just, it's just such, and Blair Witch Project, which not a lot of people like. What about the Iron Giant? Iron Giant was that year. Was it really? Yeah. Really just, God, that was great. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so funny that you're saying this because um, I use film clips in class. And when I went out on my own, it was in 2001 as to, to teach uh-huh. screenwriting. And so I was pulling a lot of clips from movies in around 1999 or, you know, now it's 2008. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, God, these movies, you know, they're in the 90s and I've really got to show more current things. So I'm always trying to sort of update and everything. But mm-hmm. I'm always drawn back to that time. Yeah. yeah, Always. It was just a good year. Do you think it has anything to do... Well, it's it's a political time right now. Uh-huh. The '90s. I mean, I'm going to be talking to, to my kids about like, the '90s. It was a wonderful time. <laughs> it was the Clintonian time. You know, I mean, look at what happened in 2000. Yeah. Do you think that there's any correlation between you know we went into a new administration and you know I'm just I'm just putting it out there. It's pre-November. You know, yeah, 2008. Know, maybe, like, I'm just putting I, it I out guess there. The, I mean, people obviously Clinton wasn't going to run for a third term. He right. can't do that. Uh, people sense the end of an era, maybe, and there was a, a sort of rush. And it, it's the, it's not just a political thing, but it's also the end of a century. Maybe there was right. just like uh, end of a millennium. And, and yeah, That's right. yeah, end of a millennium. I mean, people thinking about the end of the world in two thousand. You know, when you know, uh, mm-hmm. maybe it's just like uh, creative people were somehow subconsciously very uh, inspired. It was also a really youthful time. It was yeah. when really young people had a lot of money, right? Uh-huh. Just on the cusp of the tech crash. Yeah. So, mm. you know, if you think about it, there's a lot of uh, new ways of thinking, and a lot of that kind of money is going into to movies, right? So we have sort of this fresh, youthful, cynical, incredibly cynical uh, take on on stories yeah. at that time. So that could have something to do with it as well. You know, it's like somebody I, I don't that's the thing. I and I there's like a lot of thoughts about like why that happened to occur. But it's almost like, you know, it's like 19, you know, 1968 to like 77. They say is just this amazing age where just uh, just um, just like a slew of amazing movies came out. And it's almost like they just condensed that all into one year where mm-hmm. just like. Because every time I every time I just start making the list, people are like that came out that year, uh-huh. really, and, and, just and nobody's really appreciating it except you guys. Well, you know, you know, nobody's calling '99 the golden age of cinema. No, no, <laughs> you know, it's going to take you know a whole generation of people to recognize that that those movies were good. We're so into like nothing good has been made since the early '70s, you know, and that's not yeah. true at all. Yeah. You know, things have completely changed. Yeah. Oh, it's another movie I love came out in '99. South is? Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Uh, yeah, that I thought was a of great that. Film. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it's good. and it's and that's the thing, you know. Going back to what you were saying about the Oscars, you know, it's like the the five best picture nominees that year were Green Mile, mm-hmm. yeah. Cider House Rules, mm-hmm. I like that one, American Beauty, mm-hmm. Insider, and um, Six Sense. Six Sense, thank you. And so it's like, as much as I love like the Insider and and like American Beauty, like the only really risky one of the five and that was some something of a risky year like you know with three kings and magnolia and uh 
you know, Matrix and uh, Talented Mr. Ripley and being John Malkovich, you know, movies that were certainly very strange and people hadn't really seen movies like that before. Uh, but the only risky one of the five was like Six Sense, and it's not really that risky, but it, you know, movies like that aren't usually nominated, but it really just well, captured ever, a lot of people's imaginations. A little bit of a. Uh uh, of a tangent here, but do you remember at the, at the beginning of American Beauty, you see uh, Kevin Spacey jerking off in the shower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you remember? Maybe it wasn't like that out here on the uh, liberal West Coast, but like my parents and their friends were scandalized. Yeah. <laughs> and I like I had seen the movie before them, and I I had forgotten that it even like it didn't it didn't register to me at all. Did d- do you guys remember that? It's was a it just really shocking opening it's 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 <coughs> shocking in two ways first of course there's there's the uh i'm but of course i'm i'm dead you yeah know, I, you I don't realize dead. it yet but i i'll be dead in x yeah. number of time right so so there's that that announcement and then yeah there is that scene of him and you do feel like you're witnessing a really embarrassing intimate moment and then he caps it by saying uh, look at me jerking off in the shower. This is going to be the high point of my day. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> and and so that kind of lets everybody sort of breathe easier after yeah. that. But yeah, I think it's I think that is a really shocking beginning of a movie to go to get that intimate with somebody, you know. But it does and I mean, it's because I had been reading Savage Love since I was 14 and I was very sex positive. <laughs> Oh, sex positive. That's it. Uh, if you read Savage Love, you'll you'll know the okay. term sex positive. <laughs> yeah, I assume it means people who enjoy sex. Well, the people who just don't have any, don't have all the like bullshit age old like shame and and oh. shit about it. <laughs> That's all Are right. The other people sex negative. Yeah, sex negative. <laughs> Do you not read Savage Love? I did not. Look, I haven't read anything I haven't been paid for in there my you go. <laughs> 20 years. I'm sorry. It's so. Not sad. sure if that's the best policy, but I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Um. Oh, what the hell? Oh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I lived in Springfield, Missouri, uh, when American Beauty came out, and it, uh, you know, and a lot of a lot of people my age, not only were they not shocked by that kind of thing, they flocked to it. A lot of people, it's it's a very kind of youth minded movie, you know. I mean, it's just because it's it's like, oh yeah, it questions. I since then, I kind of have not necessarily turned on it, but I I don't love it as much as I used to, um, but just it kind of it questions all the things that you're told you should like and i think that appeals to younger people but like especially that scene you know i feel like the uh it kind of it's it serves it's functional because it tells you a lot about this guy in a very little amount of time you know and he's got and he's got that nice little caps like this is the highlight of my day and you're like oh that's rough uh but it gets it gets you laughing like it may be an uncomfortable embarrassed kind of laugh like oh i shouldn't be watching this um and then but then he kind of almost in a very kind of sharp way he says like yeah this is it's all downhill from here and you're like oh wow i just found out most of what i need to know about this guy uh-huh. in about 15 seconds yeah 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 and I that's mean, also a good example of what where voiceover actually works. Yeah. You know, it's said just enough to set you up for the entire movie. Yeah. It's needed in that case because uh, it also says, hey, I'm going to be dead. And then it, and then it, and then it 
backs away from that premise. Like yeah. you, you never even touch on it again uh-huh. until the end when it reminds you, remember. Yeah, you kind of forget. Yeah. And you're like, oh, right. Which is wonderful because you're so wrapped up in the characters and the coming of age story. Yeah. And then it comes back to that. So it's just enough voiceover. It's great book ending right there. Yeah. I, ca- I have to tell you something about that movie. Like, So when it first came out, I, I loved it like everybody else. I was so... Uh, <laughs> I had just left DreamWorks. I'm like, wow, they made a great movie. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Look what happens when I leave. But um, uh, <coughs> now um, I am the age of Ke- that Kevin Spacey's character and his wife. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time, I remember watching it and not believing or understanding some of the stuff. Even thinking some of it was cliche, you know, the the midlife crisis of the guy and him going after the younger girl, um, yeah. you know, how uh, bitter the wife was. And then there were there were parts of me that thought, yeah, come on, you know, it's not like that. And, <laughs> and I'm not saying it is like that, but I am saying that. So you're saying I, that you are now very bitter very and Pat bitter. is very, but just okay. like you, you get older and then you watch movies with different eyes and yeah. watching it now being that age is very interesting because people do change at that age they, they're they going through all this questioning so watching it now from that perspective is is uh, it was a whole different movie to me yeah and I haven't seen it in years I mean and in my own head like I say I've kind of kind of changed my opinion of it but I think maybe if I watch it again I might I might come back around on it you know and mm-hmm. you know and I mean that I've got a good example of what you're talking about when I first saw Citizen Kane I was 15 and uh and i watched it and i thought i had it all figured out yeah it's like oh power corrupts <laughs> and it's like it, yes yes that's in there mm-hmm. uh but it's one of like 15 themes <laughs> and i'm only on like the third right now mm-hmm. it just you know like the older you get the more you realize kind of what you don't know and what and you just think back it's like oh i wish i could have told the 15 year old me to just Shut up. It's like I may have been lecturing people that they should see this movie, but I myself didn't have a clue about what it was about. And, uh, yeah, it's and I feel like movies like American Beauty or, you know, a lot of the movies made that year, honestly, you could probably return to every three years and almost view it as a different type, different film. Yeah, that's probably what marks a good movie, right? Or a great movie is that you could return to it at any age. and, And when people say it's timeless, what they really mean is even though they've changed, the movie still affects them. Yeah. You know, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, that, that would be a good test to go back and revisit that movie that you loved when you were 12 and see how you, how you see it now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So how well, are we doing on time? Uh, it's doing? about half an hour. I know okay. you got to be somewhere or do something. <coughs> uh, I uh, bored you to death? Has no, it come to no, that? not at all. <laughs> uh, was there any, any other movies you were dying to, to talk about? Any, yeah. Anything, anything you do you have a favorite movie of this year? Let's try that. Well, I think I think Frozen River is definitely okay. it so far, um, and everything else I'm drawing a blank on. You know, having having two kids, we uh, do a lot of rentals, okay, so I'm still yeah. catching up on last year. Okay. Um, and uh, and then I like to uh, steal screeners from all of my uh, you know important friends around uh-huh. Christmas time, so they'll be hearing from me. That's how I get to see my movies. <laughs> <laughs> you do what you got to do. You know? I do. I'm did you did you get a chance to see uh, Wally? No. Okay. So this is the deal. All right. Again, having two kids, three and seven, I will not go out to see a Pixar movie anymore. As much as I love them, I'm not going out and spending my because they will eventually come live in my house, and I'll have to see it 
50 times. <laughs> okay. So once it's on, on DVD, I will be watching it constantly, and I'll be able to tell you. But I, I heard it's amazing. It's my favorite movie it's of the year. Good. Okay, all right. Well, once it comes in, and the minute, you know Pat, right? So like yeah. the minute that it's out on DVD, it will be in our house. Okay. And we will be watching As it. As it should be. Yeah, of course. So. <laughs> all right. So now, now uh, you mentioned this when we were on your show, but just to make sure... There's a movie called Frozen River, and that's what that's yeah. it's in theaters right now. Yeah, you how many highly times recommend can I say it. this? Yeah. Frozen River. Like, I'm gonna get all these letters like that movie sucked. What are you <laughs> but yeah, I I just uh, I just fell in love with it um, just because of what we we're talking about uh, that it's uh, indie, but stuff happens. Yeah. You know, it keeps you on the edge. Now, who uh, who directed it? I have no idea. Okay, <laughs> who, is there anybody in it? I don't know. Well, I assume name. somebody <laughs> has to be in it. Yes, but uh, I only know stuff in script form, and yet okay, I still can't enough. tell you the writer. I just I stink. All right, Tyler, I'm sorry. I, I got to play the sushi in front of me. I oh, indeed, yes, That's yes. I'm true. sorry. That's true. Yeah. But, uh, all Eel right, well, and avocado. Eel yummy. and avocado. It's yeah. good. <laughs> it was a great comedy team, Eel and Avocado. Um, all right. Well, uh, thank you very much for being back on the Thanks show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate and, uh, it, guys. And just to make sure, so on the page, it's on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the website is? On the page.tv. Come to my classes. I've got a rewrite class coming up in November for all of you writers out there. Uh, it'll take you through six different passes of your screenplay, and, uh, and I put you to work. It's really oh, good. Oh, wow. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll uh, get you next time. Bye. Thanks. Bye.